focusing on that identity piece is such a crucial point of transformation. And, you know, surrounding yourself with people who see you as your highest potential or see you as your next potential is such an important part. And if you surround yourself with the same people that see you and really maybe don't have a lot of flexibility to see you in a new way, it's really, really beneficial to start creating some community that can see you in that new way, in that new identity. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast, all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes so that you become the CEO of your health. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder. Have you ever felt like you have fallen way too off of the wagon when it comes to your health? Or it feels like it would take a massive miracle to get you back on track with your goals, especially when we are just 10 days into the new year. Fortunately for you, wellness does not have to be an all or nothing experience. And contrary to what a lot of people think, you don't have to completely overhaul your lifestyle to gain more energy, balance your hormones, and heal your gut. Small changes can make a huge difference in your health and well-being. Now, when it comes to transforming your health, it's all about taking that first step. And that is exactly what Be The Wellness podcast host Vanessa and Adam Lambert and I are going to be talking about in today's interview. We are going to be diving deep into those small and easy changes that can make a massive difference in how you feel every single day. Now, for me, that first step was nutrition. Nutrition to me is foundational. I believe that food is medicine and it can be the biggest pillar into creating and transforming the body that you want so that you have that energy, that vitality, that focus, and you're just feeling like you are thriving in the world. You know, with all the patients that I've taken care of, my readers, even myself in my own healing journey, nutrition has been the thing that has been the anchor and the cornerstone to getting me back on track. Now, over 11 years ago, Way back in 2008 or 2009, I discovered green smoothies and they completely changed my life. It is one of the single most impactful habits that I do every single day. It takes less than 10 minutes, including prep and cleanup. And you know how important that is to me because I run on efficiency and it's one of my favorite morning rituals. I love that green smoothies are inexpensive, but they pack a big nutritional punch. The cost of a quart of green smoothie for me runs about $2.50 to $3 every day. It's literally cheaper than a coffee at my favorite cafe. Now this 10 minute daily habit is not only easy, but it provides you with eight to 10 servings of fruits and veggies. One quart increases your nutritional intake by 700%. You heard me right, 700%. Before 9 a.m. in the morning every single day, And it's going to give you that lasting, sustainable energy, nourish your body, sell the soul. I mean, it it sets you up for success for the rest of the day. It helps to banish cravings. To me, it's just a great way to start. And you get 15 grams of fiber, which we could all use a little bit more of because most of us are very deficient in fiber. Now, as I mentioned before, we are officially 10 days into 2020. And if you're looking for that first step to shift your nutrition, I want to invite you to make a green smoothie and to assist you with this healthy new ritual, I created a little cheat sheet with my top 10 green smoothie recipes and I included a little matcha green tea into the recipes 
These are recipes I make all the time, pretty much on a week to week basis. They're super easy. Ingredients is easy. You can find it anywhere. And I love the matcha because although you can't taste it, it adds that extra, extra antioxidant boost. As you guys know, I wrote a book on matcha green tea and I just love the benefits. Now, if you don't want matcha, you don't like matcha, you don't have to add it, but it's just that little extra boost that upgrades your energy in a big way. Now, I also included my energy boosting remedies and my self-care recipe guides. So this little trio of guides has everything that you need to increase your energy and feel your best in 2020. It is everything that you need to love yourself a little more. Now I'm gonna have the link in the show notes for episode 157, today's interview, or you can go to drmarisa.com slash vitality and get the bundle trio right there. Now, before I bring on Vanessa and Adam to share their thoughts on transforming your health with ease and grace, I wanna take a quick moment and celebrate you. Now, one particular healing rock star is Mary, and I'm excited to shout out her win that she shared on iTunes back in December. Mary, by the way, thank you so much for sharing on iTunes. It's such a great gold standard for getting the message out there. So here is what she had to write, and it was all about morning rituals. Thank you so much for sharing all this wisdom with the world. I woke up way too early on my birthday, so I decided to do things differently. Normally, I would pick up my phone and get on social media. This morning, I picked up this episode, and I'm so grateful that I did. Even set up the diffuser and grab the journal. Thank goodness for pause buttons. I am making new changes. Thank you so much. I recommend this episode to everyone. Grateful to you. Oh, Mary, thank you so much. You are a woman after my own heart. I just love that you're sharing your big win around starting your morning rituals on your birthday, no less. Such a great day to just embrace loving yourself a little bit more. If you are listening, Mary, I would love to gift you a signed copy of my book, The Essential Oils Hormone Solution. Just reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram at Dr. Marisa. Now, if you are listening, I am so happy to have you checking out this episode today. This podcast is all about empowerment. And if any of these episodes, all 157, have helped you in any way, I would love to shout you out too. You can reach out to me on Insta, Facebook, or simply review this podcast on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you plug into. That way I can continue to support more women who are ready to step into their power, own their health changes, and become the CEO of their health. Now let's dive into this incredible conversation about creating transformation with Adam and Vanessa. But before I do that, I want to sing their praises. Most importantly, their little bio on how they are being the wellness. So Be the Wellness is dedicated to expanding lives through nuanced, personalized, whole food diets, functional fitness, mindful, fearless living at the center of any Be the Wellness experience be an online program or an epic adventure is community and connection. Be the Wellness brings holistic balance to all facets of life while connecting you with other adventurers and wellness warriors. So let's bring on Adam and Vanessa. Welcome to the Essentially You podcast. Adam and Vanessa, how are you guys doing today? We are excellent. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited to kick off this beautiful new year with the both of you and talk a little bit about not only transformation, but how 
we can use adventure to create really powerful transformation. But before we get into that, this, this beautiful, I haven't even thought about that as, an, as a way of like kind of creating transformation in my life. So I'm so excited to have you guys on. But before we get into that, I want to talk a little bit about your story or have you share with us a little bit about yourselves and also talk to me about how transformation became so important for both of you. Well, we're so excited to be here in the new year with you folks because it is really an awesome time to be thinking about our possibilities, right? We're we're ready and eager. Somehow there's like an, an innate energy of possibility in the new year. So thanks for, you know, having us in this time and letting us share a little bit about our own stories, but also some of the transformation we've seen for our clients and our community. But I think for us, we were talking a little bit before we went live on the show and, you know, Adam and I come from pretty humble beginnings. We're small town kids, didn't really come from any super extraordinary background to set us up to really have an idea that we could kind of create whatever we wanted in our lives. And Adam, I always laugh, I always tell, say that Adam was raised by wolves <laughs> because... It's like not too far from the truth. <laughs> because, you know, he was... His dad worked away. He had a single dad that you know was the main, main caretaker, but he worked out of town. I was raised by a single mom who worked a lot. So we, you know, we kind of come from these backgrounds of really having to be pretty responsible for ourselves and pretty conscientious about how we create our reality, even from our youth. Yeah, totally. And like not not just in a manner of, you know, how are you gonna pay for school and stuff like that, but like literally you get one kind of crack at this and it was obvious to, I think to both of us from a pretty early age that like you really are, are designing it yourself. You know what I mean? And you can choose to be subject to your circumstances or you can choose to dictate your circumstances, you know, and, and don't get me wrong. When I was 12 or 13 years old, I had no idea what those words meant. You know what I mean? <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to say, you know what? If I got today, I'm going to decide that I'm not going to stay in this little town and I'm going to do something else with my life. But looking back, that was, that was just part of that growing up. You know, it was that realization that, you know, you can only be stuck if you, if you choose to be. Mm-hmm. You know, and and there's a lot really that we can kind of unpack into how you go about choosing not to be. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I'm so glad you guys shared that. You know, I came from a single mom background as well. And I remember being 12 and 13 years old and kind of looking around and realizing things could go one of two ways. And in some of my family, things went the other way, you know, even even really close family members of mine and having to make a very specific choice of what path does it look like. And at the time, I don't know if this was the case for you, and we're talking about transformation today, and this has been the biggest lesson of all that I don't talk a lot about here on the show, but it just felt like pure survival for me for a long time. And I thought that as long as I could survive my way out of the mess, I could become successful. And it wasn't until later in life where survival was making me sick that I knew that I had to find a different way. And that's when the door for possible transformation came to be. And I remember the defining moment where I was like, oh my gosh, are you telling me that it could have been a little bit easier than that? Right. <laughs> yeah. Because I made you know, it really hard. 
<laughs> it's so true. You know, I, um, I teach a class called authentic self, which is a life mastery and more of a spiritual development class. And, you know, on our call last week, I was just saying to my group, you know, it doesn't have to be hard and it is so hard, <laughs> difficult, <laughs> if you will, to get that if all you've known is hard. And, and if all the progress you've had has only been from, you know, fighting tooth and nail for it or scrapping for it or, you know, struggling and working for it. It's really hard to like fundamentally understand that it doesn't have to be that hard if that's all you've known. But I think one of the best ways to get there is kind of what you were saying, like until you got sick, right? Until you had that point where you just had to surrender, like you just had to set it down because the weight of it all was too much for you to bear, probably physically, obviously physically, but probably emotionally too. And I think that, you know, for a lot of us, it takes getting to that point where we don't really even have much left in the tank and we finally almost give up before that next, you know, phase of enlightenment, so to speak, can kick in. But, you know, we can choose it at any time. Like it doesn't have to go to that degree. It doesn't have to go to that length to feel like, for me personally, my, I think, aha moment or my sort of surrender came in 2011, my appendix ruptured and I had complications from it. I ended up in the hospital for a month. I mean, it was really like the same exact thing that you're talking about, Maritza, where it's like, you don't have anything left in the tank and you just have to give it up. And so I think that it just doesn't have to be that way, but it's hard to see that sometimes in the moment. Absolutely. Well, it's at that breaking point that you talk about, like where you are forced to surrender. But what if surrender was the first step? Mm. What if that could be the first thing? What if you could surrender it up early? And so few of us have been taught that, that we could surrender it up earlier, opposed to waiting till our absolute breaking point, kind of on the ground moment where we don't have a choice but to do so. Yeah, totally. And you know, Something that that I've thought about with myself, and it's one of those things that I go back and forth, like sometimes it seems like a blessing and sometimes it seems like a curse, but I'm like a fairly content person, you know? And so my sort of struggle or not struggle, I guess, whatever, my, my hurdle with this was being okay with what was going on and just being like, yeah, no, this is fine. I can actually be just fine like this, you know, and not choosing to improve and just being okay with the status quo or the condition that I was in. And and so this is something that I see a lot in our nutrition coaching folks is especially if they're dealing with some sort of an illness, you know, not, not necessarily just a fat loss or a performance goal or something like that. But, you know, ah, man, I've got these autoimmune conditions. I have these things that are going on. I might be trying to help them out with some nutritional ideas to help with that. And there's this real tendency to just be like, ah, but you know, I'm actually okay. I'm managing it. I'm in this process and everything is fine within the context of the life that I'm living right now. And I'm just not sure that I want to, you know, take another step with this. Like I'm okay here. And I, and that's something that just really resonates with me because I've been in that position a lot of times where I'm like, yeah, you know, I mean, this is fine. <laughs> like everything here is okay. And conjuring up the, the will and, and putting the trust in myself and the universe or the higher power or whatever you attribute everything that's not yourself to, to really step into what's possible and get out of the comfort zone, you know? And I, and I think, especially with folks who are dealing with some kind of an illness, they've worked so hard to get into a comfort zone, you know, a place that they can actually be in a state of sort of management that the last thing they want to do is step out of it in, in pursuit of something 
potentially bigger, you know, or potentially worse, right? There's always that give and take with it. And I think for me, one of the biggest, if there was an aha moment was this, this idea that, man, no matter what, like if you step out of your comfort zone and into the discomfort of growth one more time, I've never looked back and said, man, I should have stayed there. Mm. You know, it might not be what you think it was, or it might not be the, the grass is so green and beautiful over there. And once you get there, you're like, yeah, you know what? There's some weeds in here, but it's still <laughs> grass. And the journey was totally worth it, you know? And, and so that's something that I, I just think is incredibly important to, to let sink in, especially if you're dealing with some sort of a longstanding illness that you've been battling with and trying to get around. Don't stay don't get stuck there and don't get, you know, mired into the identity of that particular plateau in life and just take that next step, you know, mm -hmm. because the growth is a hundred percent worth it. Absolutely. Well, Adam, I'm wondering, cause you, you know, being in that place and really having to kind of step out of a comfort zone, entering into that unknown to step into something hopefully bigger. What were some of the tools or ways in which not only have you done that for yourself, but then you see that with your clients, especially with people who are like, I'm just maintaining this diabetes or I'm maintaining this Hajimoto's like, I don't have any major flare ups. I think everything's okay, but maybe even their labs show that they're not in remission, right? What have been some of the strategies? I think this is where so many people do get stuck. We get, we get stuck in this complacency. We're like, I know I want to rock this boat. You know, and, and I don't want to step into that next level because that feels like it's going to be hard. I have a good friend of mine who's in the process of divorcing right now. And, and it's, it's a lot of growth, a lot of transformation to even just take like ownership of what that next phase looks like. And we're always, we're, we're doing the transformational work. We're doing the guiding work, but it can be so hard because it's not the vision that she had and she's entering into the unknown, right? And it's not, it's an unknown that she didn't want. Yeah. So, so I think something that you said there is, is kind of the key and it's the, you know, the, the difficulty of it. I mean, obviously, so when you're talking about a separation or a divorce, I mean, there's a lot of emotion and stuff that goes along with that. Right. But the, the key thing there that makes it hard to get around is that it's a different identity. It's not who she thought she was going to be. It's not who she thought she wanted to be. And so the person that she identifies with no longer exists you know, or is, or is changing. And I think that that is fundamentally step one in understanding what it's like to move from one place to the other is to really get your mind around the identity of what that next phase is or who that person would be. And like in the case of, let's say diabetes, um, you know, type two diabetes or something that we know that with, for most folks can there, you can make some progress on, right. Is, to look at who you are in this current moment, like what are the things about this life that I identify with that I would be afraid of losing if I moved on? You know, is it, is it a social circle? Is it a community that has been built up around, uh, you know, an online community or forum or something that you, you know, you communicate on a regular basis with other folks with a similar situation? Like what is it that, that wouldn't exist for you anymore if you stepped into this new identity? So you look at that and then look at, what would the possibility be? What if, what if I stepped into a different community that was people who came from the same place that I was, that I was in and are now, you know, celebrating some aspect of life that was more difficult before and try to identify what those differences in identity are. And then once you've seen that and kind of the, the gap, how many steps there are between there, 
Then it's about identifying what skills are required to walk those steps and then what behaviors and habits need to be in place to go one foot after another. And, and that's really, I mean, that's the approach that we take with, with our coaching clients. And like, that's the approach that I take. Like the last big step that I took was leaving my full-time 22 year career in the fire service to do this full-time. And it took two years of, you know, well, more than that, really, but two years in earnest of looking at who I am as a fire chief and who I will be as a full-time entrepreneur doing my own thing and rectifying the differences between those and understanding the skills and behaviors that need to come into place to, to make that leap. Hmm. Can you speak to, after making that leap, now you're here, what have been some of the biggest wins? What have been some of those biggest discoveries? I'm assuming that you are really happy that you made the decision now. Yes. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> no, I wish I could go back. No, um, no 100%. So, and the, and the things, and this is, and I think this is common. The things that I was anticipating enjoying about my new position are not the things at all that, you know, it's completely different than I thought it was going to be. But the number one takeaway is, uh, or I should say realization or reality that I'm in now is 100% control over my time and energy. And that is not something that I really valued that much. You know, I thought about, oh, how cool it would be to be a, an entrepreneur. And man, I did this myself and it's this whole thing and stepping into something new. And, you know, all of that seemed like an exciting and new endeavor. But what really came from it for me is this is this 100% feeling of control over my destiny to, to be outside of a chain of command, outside of a tomes of manuals and standard operating procedures and be into the, yeah, you know what? Nobody really knows how to do this. Everyone's just kind of figuring it out on their own. Good luck, you know, and there's something that came along with that that was just very freeing, you know, and very much a added bonus to the whole thing, you know? Love that. Love that. That's it's such an interesting perspective too, that it was that ultimately what ended up fulfilling you. I mean, after you took that, that's a big leap. Yeah. <laughs> really big leap. I know there's a lot of people who have not made that leap at all. Yeah. But everybody has their version of that leap, right? So I, I really think that that's the thing is that we in life are presented with opportunities all the time to step in and make those leaps. And it might be for, obviously for Adam, it was a career choice. And, you know, for someone else, it might be like you said, a relationship, you know, leaving a relationship, or it might be, you know, staying in a relationship. There's all of these moments. And I think that life gives gives us so many opportunities to take those steps and whatever, you know, Adam's big step might seem big to us, but like we all have those things in our lives that are just as big, even if it doesn't, you know, from, from an outsider looking in may not seem you have a different scope of what is difficult and what is a big step for you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, this is, it's been so fascinating walking into 2020 and getting ready for it. Like what was possibility? What did that look like for you guys? Like as you're stepping into 2020, new decade, new year, new opportunity for possibility and potential transformation as well. So many of us, I mean, clearly are walking to it as we speak and, and it can, like, we can set ourselves up for success. We can set the intention for what we want, or we can kind of just pray that it works itself out. What are some of the things you guys have done to get ready for this, this new year? You know, I think for us, one of the things that has really come into light this year is, you know, the power to say no. 
And I think especially as an entrepreneur and especially when you're, you know, trying to grow your business and you're kind of scrapping to get it all going, you almost feel like you can't say no to a lot of things. You're sort of like, I need to say yes to everything because everything is a potential opportunity. And, you know, you, you kind of have this idea about more and more being better and better. And I think for us in this year, particularly, we are really stepping into saying yes powerfully and really giving ourselves to say no powerfully as well. And that's been, you know, towards the end of last year and stepping into this new year, I think a huge change for us. Mm, Yeah. I love that. Yeah, for sure. It's the, it's been deemed the year of no plans. Yes. Is that your one word? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's the thing that's crazy about it is because of our, our retreat business and the amount of travel and everything that we do, we're on the road quite a bit. And then we also like to travel. I mean, one of the things that even spurred us into this part of the business was the enjoyment and fulfillment that we get from traveling with our kind of close pack of friends that we, that we travel with. And so doubling it essentially, you know, to get our, our friend and close pack travel in plus all of our retreat travel. And it's like, man, all right, who's going to run this business and when, you know, <laughs> when is all of this stuff going to, going to transpire? And the thing of being able to say no and really choosing the things that you are doing and, and hopefully choosing them in a way that is really in alignment with the goals and the, the problems that you're trying to solve in life. I mean, we see this exact same scenario pop up all the time with coaching clients where, oh, well, I've got to go to this holiday thing. And so I'm not going to be able to work out and I got to do this thing. And then I've got my kids and they're taking up this amount of time and this amount of time. So I don't have time to shop. So tonight, you know, we're just doing pizza again. And then tomorrow, you know, and it's all of this real life stuff that, that bubbles up, you know, that can really sap you of your strength and your ability to stick to something hard right? Which, I mean, almost always changing the way that you are for better or worse is, is a challenge. It's your, your brain's like, man, I'm comfortable right here. I don't want to move past this point. I'm not interested in change. So it requires a lot of energy. And so being able to kind of audit your life and really get clear on the things, especially coming into the new year that you're like, look, I really need to get a handle on X aspect of my life. And whether that's a disease state or you just want to get into better fitness or what, you know, whatever it is and really honing in on that and parsing out your energy in a way that you can really stay focused on that and, and just know in yourself and don't beat yourself up over it, but just know that the human tendency is to choose things that sound fun and interesting over things that, you know, are arguably difficult, i.e. changing something about your life, you know? So you can't just trust your brain to do the right thing all the time. So being able to kind of preload the year with not doing that, not doing that, am <laughs> focusing on this, 100% focusing on this, you know, can really, you know, lend some, some support to yourself when you need it most, you know? Mm, I love that. How do you guys feel about, you know, as you're coaching people into new year and into big transformations, whether it's health, whether it's fitness or whatever journey they may be on, where, where do you guys lie on new year's resolutions? Do you, are you, do you kind of dissuade them from your, from your clients? Actually? Yeah. We have a whole thing about this. Oh, oh, <laughs> There's a, perfect. We have a whole podcast about, a whole podcast about this actually. Probably need to do that again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can never hear it enough, right? You really, especially for a new year. Tell me a little bit about this. 
Yeah. Well, we really overall in general have always focused on habit change and really taking one thing at a time. And so I think for us, the big thing is always, you know, when people set these really lofty new year's resolutions and we see it all the time in the new year's, right? It's, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to you know, I'm going to start working out. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And maybe you give yourself like five different tasks that are your quote unquote new year's resolutions. Well, as creatures of habit, that can be a very overwhelming vibration to step into, right? It's like we're at this certain level and now we're asking ourselves to jump five steps ahead. And that can be really destabilizing to our progress. And so for us, we would much rather people take one step at a time. They really just set, you know, they can still set a goal. You can still have, you know, something that you're trending towards, but you definitely want to take it one step at a time. And so if your goal or your new year's resolution, quote unquote, is, you know, I want to get healthy, then maybe really all you should decide for the new year's is, I'm going to start drinking more water. You know, I'm, I'm going to do something that I can make that's so simple and I can be so successful at it that it starts to prime my brain to tell me that like, I can do this. I can make the changes that it requires in order to take these steps to create my healthiest, happiest state of being. And so we really encourage people instead of, you know, focusing on big lofty goals, really just focus on one habit at a time. Just take it one step at a time. Maybe for two weeks you do one thing and then you have progress, you have uh, clarity and you also have success, which feeds on itself. Hmm. I love that. I'm so glad you guys were able to speak to that. I had a feeling New Year's resolutions were not (laughs) the thing you were advocating. I'm definitely not a fan of New Year's resolutions. I just like you said, Vanessa, in such a beautiful way is that we step into that vibration of overwhelm mm-hmm. and and then you know then we're disappointed and we and we blame and we're upset that we failed ourselves and it just gets really messy yeah, yeah and it just makes it more difficult the next time you want to make a change you just you have that much more apprehension because we we get tired of failing we you know we get so down on ourselves and we're like you know I've tried doing this every year for the past 5 years you know, you almost want to give up, right? You're just like, forget it. I would have done it by now. But if you just maybe decided to change one habit at a time in five years, even if you only changed one habit a year, think of what a profound difference that could make in your life. And so we think that, yeah, it's just really about taking bite-sized chunks, really staying in the success mode so that you can perpetuate that feeling of, you know, having success and having a feeling of completion with the things you set out to do. Yeah. And success, it's ever evolving, right? Like I I have yet to achieve something where afterwards I was like, I'm done. You know, it's always, it's always (laughs) like, man, okay, (laughs) next, you know, it's like, there's always another thing, you know, and it's, it's, as you grow and and go through this stuff, I mean, you're, you're going to change your, your nutritional needs are going to change. Your family needs are going to change. All this stuff's going to change. So making up this idea that the perfect ideal per- version of me is X and I'm going to do that by February 1st. It's hard to do. And then it's also an unrealistic picture because you don't really know come February 1st, you, who knows what has changed in your life, you know? So if you can, as Vanessa was saying, just incrementally work on these, these progressive habits, it, it allows you to kind of evolve as you go along and just kind of continue to, to better yourself. And, you know, especially when it comes to people who have 
long-term disease states or, or things that are, that are cumulative. And I mean, type two diabetes, I think is an interesting one to talk about because it just doesn't happen overnight and the solution doesn't happen overnight, you know? And I think if people can, can really just trust that that's true, that it takes time to undo the things that have been done, you can give yourself a break and say, look, no, I'm, I'm not a success yet, but I have a stack of successes. I've succeeded at this and I've succeeded at this and this and this and this and this that are all leading me, you know, on the, on the, the, the path to being healthy, you know, and that of course is going to change as well. But, you know, at least you've got this history of success versus a history of really valiant effort and then perceived failure, you know? So true. I'm so grateful you guys are able to shed some light on that. I, I just love the perspective um, because I know, and you guys, as you're working with people every day, some of the, the biggest pain points here is just any change is going to require work. Any change is going to require struggle. And, and it's so easy to fall back into those habits that are, that are easy for us. Yes. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. The brain is a powerful thing. And, you know, those neuropathways are hard, <laughs> hard to resist. They want to go a certain direction and fire a certain way. And, you know, it takes concerted, conceded effort every day to just take those steps. Hmm. When we're thinking about some of these, these hard changes, these hard steps, and kind of just getting a little bit more granular. One of the things I talk about a lot, you know, for women, we're dealing with hormone issues or stress issues or exhaustion issues. It's really having kind of setting themselves up like in the morning, doing a couple of things. Those are certain things just for themselves. Are When you're working with people to get started, you know, that first little step. And for me, it's nutrition, such a big part of that, but it needs to be simple. It needs to be easy. What are some things that you begin to guide people through at, when, when you, when they do have got all the kids and the kids are running to all the events and they've got the work event and they, they, you know, and, and they're running over time and it just all keeps piling on. Like, where do you find one of the easiest places to start is when they're at that tipping point where they know they have to make a change, but they're just like, I don't even know where this is going to fit. Mm, yeah, totally. Well, we will, if you've uh, followed us for any amount of time or folks out there, if you're, this is your first time listening and ever hearing us, we will tell you time and time again that it starts with sleep. And it is so much easier to care for yourself, to take that five minutes in the morning to care for yourself or to make a better meal choice because like you said, nutrition is so important or to have the wherewithal to do that thing that's going to make a difference for you in the midst of the chaos and, of, and storm of taking care of others. That if you can make the bedrock of, of all of that a good night's sleep, you are just going to have such a better chance of success at all of that. Yeah, a hundred percent. And you know, and the, the, so we say that first and then the immediate pushback is, well, I could, I only have so much time and the kids eat dinner at this time and then I have to be up at this time. And so there's this window of time, which is often less than optimal, right? I mean, we're, it's pretty clear now. It looks like somewhere between seven and nine hours of sleep at night is, is kind of the sweet spot. But for a lot of people, that's not realistic, you know? And so the next place that we go with it is ensuring that the time that they do have in bed is absolutely optimized because it's not just about quantity of sleep. It's about quality as well. And there's some pretty simple stuff that folks can do to really give themselves a leg up on that. You know, things like controlling the temperature in their bedroom, you know, somewhere around 68 degrees seems to be good. Sleeping in complete darkness, no blue light before bed, no caffeine in the afternoon, like kind of just some pretty basic stuff that can really help to shore up the amount of time and optimize the amount of time that they do get to sleep. 
I'm so grateful that you guys mentioned that. And you're absolutely right. It's not all about quantity. It's about quality. Not to say that, you know, I don't want people pushing on four hours of sleep either. But but like resetting those circadian rhythms are everything. And if we want to even get granular, you think about cellular mitochondria. And if they're not getting the amount of sleep that they, your body's not recharging, we're talking about severe chronic fatigue because mitochondrial dysfunction is happening. And, and I don't think people realize how important circadian rhythms are for, for that and that need to reset and just to have the energy to be able to get through your day and make those changes possible. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. There's, there's actually almost a defragmenting of the brain, so to speak, that happens when you get into the deep sleep and, you know, you really can't get that unless you get deep quality sleep. And it's literally like a washing of the brain where the cerebral spinal fluid. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you know. The brainwashing. Yes. The brainwashing. (laughs) Yeah. And if you don't, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) The good brainwashing. If you don't have, you know, a quality and quantity of sleep to give your brain the time to to run through that process, it's literally like you're missing the defragmenting of your brain each night. And so, I mean, think about what that means. Just like in your computer, you know, if it gets stacked with viruses and kind of malfunctions here and there, it doesn't work well. You know, it's slower. It's not optimized. It's just all of the things that we would see on our hard drive are the same that we would see in our brain. And so when people are beating themselves up for not having enough willpower to make the right decisions about food or, you know, they can't help their cravings and all the stuff, you know, you just have to say like it, it to some degree, it's not your fault. If you're not getting good rest, it is really, really, really difficult to kind of fight off the body's natural tendency to want to get cheap energy and cheap calories and just sustain it in the way that it knows how to. Mm -hmm. So true. Absolutely. So true. And, and the damage is, you know, we don't have that opportunity to kind of go in and clean up the amyloid plaques and clean up the toxins and all that buildup that happens inside of the brain. You're talking about major inflammation over time. And it starts off as brain fog. It starts off as a lack of alertness. It starts off as like, where did I put my keys? Or all of a sudden (laughs) that word in the middle of the sentence is gone for no reason. You know, that's what it initially looks like. And then it can get progressively worse over time. Yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of the things that you were just describing, and this I think is the same with a lot of kind of chronic issues is that it's, it's sort of incremental creep, you know? So it's like you get used to it and you're like, Oh, I guess this is just, well, you know, I'm 43 now, I guess it's time to start losing my keys or whatever. You know, it's like (laughs) you get into this mode with it where you don't necessarily even notice. You're like, Oh, I just, I'm just not young anymore. I'm not what I used to be. And man, that can be a kind of a jail cell of its own, right? This, this sort of thought process that like, well, this is just how it is to age. And while there certainly are some things I think that, you know, you probably just are not going to have the same deadlift at, at 50. That <laughs> I was going to say, I can't you know? do as many burpees as I was <laughs> right. doing at 20. Right. I can still do a lot, but it's not right. as easy. You know, so you got to give yourself a break on some of that. Well, and some of it too, I think is you like, don't want sh- to. should you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah do I even want to yeah. do burpees anymore? Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah, as that prefrontal cortex develops, you're like, wait a minute burpees like this is just show me that show me why this is important like, yeah exactly why that. do i have to do this anymore is there a better way <laughs> you know and i think uh, the other thing about it too is adam 
obviously coming from the background of being in the fire department, he was chronically underslept for years. And, you know, one of the things we don't really even think about is how that affects our relationships. And, you know, we were just saying this morning, like that our marriage is the best it's ever been. And I think a lot of it, honestly, is just Adam being able to rest more. Like he's just he has a higher vibrancy. He has a higher ability to like let things roll off his shoulders and to just be in the moment more. And, you know, not to say that like he was a jerk or anything yeah, before, he was but like just crabby he was and grouchy all the time, yeah. <laughs> but it's made a huge difference in our relationship. And again, kind of like that thing where you like, don't really even notice until mm. it's different. And then it's like, oh, wow, this thing has changed. And I think that that's what sleep does for a lot of people. It just shores up a lot of things that you don't even maybe know weren't running optimally. Yeah. Yeah, totally. (laughs) That should be the New Year's resolution for everybody is getting high quality sleep. I know. It's it's just so important, you know what I mean? So before I left the fire department, I spent like the last 10 years of my career, one of my side other duties as required sort of thing, sort of situations was developing the wellness program for the department. And we focused on this a lot because it's like, well, what's, you know, everybody kind of goes to that. They're like, well, what's the best workouts we can do? And what's the, uh, and then some people will say, well, what's the best kind of nutrition? And how do we train like this? And how do we, you know, how do we maintain these industrial athletes as they, they call themselves? And I'd kind of say, man, we, we've got to sort out the sleep problem, you know, one way or the other, because you got guys that are going, on a 72 or a 48 hour shift and maybe they're getting four hours of sleep, four hours of uninterrupted sleep a day if they're lucky, you know, and they're like, yeah, man, this is just what we do here at this station. We run our 4 a.m. call and then the donut shop is open and we're all super hungry. So we swing in and we eat these donuts and you're like, oh boy, all right, well, what's, how do we, un, how do we, how do we undo this? Stuff, yeah. You know? <laughs> and when you start really breaking into kind of the the culture of it and the individual feelings of the guys are like, no, man, I'm actually like legitimately craving sugar. Like when I wake up this time of day, I just really want sugar. And then throughout the rest of the day, it's like the only thing that can keep me going is a, you know, a Coke or a now, gosh, it's all the different monster, this and whatever, you know, ginseng and caffeine and, you know, 40 grams of sugar in these like energy drinks or whatever. And that's how they're maintaining, you know? So it's like the ultimate situation of just being ramped up on these, on these stimulants and then not understanding why they just have these constant cravings. And, and, you know, the, in the fire service, the number one cause of death is heart disease, uh, specifically ischemic heart disease. And it's dramatically elevated. It's like a 400% increased risk over like the average American, which is already pretty dang high. And when you start really breaking it down and looking at this, you like, we have all of these guys who are pre-diabetic, not all type two pre-diabetic and all of this. And even though they're doing everything they can from a physical perspective to maintain, and even some of them like myself, who was doing everything that I could do from a nutritional perspective to, to stave all of that stuff off, this chronic sleep deprivation and intermittent wake-ups throughout the night in these just, you know, and it's a pure adrenaline dump when the, when the alarm goes off at night, it's like, because you have to be up and dressed and driving a fire engine in two minutes. You know what I mean? So it's like, that doesn't, that's not like, Oh, well, I guess it's time to get up kind of a situation. I mean, you're (laughs) up and running. No, you're from zero to alert it very quickly. And that requires a lot of cortisol. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. A massive amount. And so what they're, you know, and so even outside of the cortisol stuff, what we're seeing with folks who are chronically sleep deprived is that you're chronically insulin resistant as well. Like you can, I can't remember the exact details, but there was a, there was a study done on this. that showed something like four hours 
of, of sleep interruption. So it wasn't even like you were up all night, but like four sleep interruptions throughout the night. And you could be as insulin resistant as a type two diabetic for the majority of the following day. Your body's just ramped up, you know, and you've got all of that stuff going. And so you do that day on day on day on day on day. And you wonder why, you know, we've got these cardiovascular disease problems. And, you know, I, I kind of always relate the, the problems in the fire service that are essentially identical to the problems that we have in day-to-day life. They might just be like turned up to 11. It's just kind of amplified. But it's the same thing if you've got kids at home or, you know, somebody in your family works shift work or the, the kid next door got a drum set or, you know what I mean? Like it does, whatever the thing is, that chronically interrupted sleep cycle, and you are just set up for like failure in almost anything you're trying to do. <laughs> you know, like, Clearly we yeah. have strong feelings about sleep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, I think you're absolutely right when you're talking about the fire department, it's just an elevated version of what we're seeing with this very, you know, modern world that we're living in where we're constant, so many distractions and that, that period between when kids go to bed and when you're supposed to be in bed is when you're the most productive. Like it's when you get your, your, like your second series of work done at that time. And, and it absolutely compounds. We just see it at a much higher rate with firefighters. I so appreciate you sharing that. And it it gives a lot of context for us to kind of see that so much more profoundly. My mom is dating a retired fire chief and he is 60 years old. I'm not telling you how old my mom is. Um, (laughs) Doesn't ever want me to tell you how old she is on the show. But he's 60 years old and he's got a lot of, he's got a lot of stuff going on, a lot of stuff, health stuff. And my mom, they're like night and day, you know, she is so healthy. She's been taking care of herself for so long and she's just like, oh my gosh, like I didn't, you know, she didn't, I don't think she realized that he was going to be struggling so much at what she considers to be a really, 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 really young age. You know, she is running a a marathon and he's got doctor's appointments. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Those were just many years of, I mean, retiring all the way through that many years of getting no sleep, many years of bad habits, many years of like relying on sugar to get through the day. And he's got major cardiovascular issues. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's super unfortunate, especially since the the reality is it may not be able to be prevented. Like it's still a more, you're, it's a risky job, you know what I mean? From that perspective, but man, there could be a lot more done to help, <laughs> you know, and kind of shore that stuff up. Absolutely. And I mean, like you said, whether someone's got the drum set next door, drum set, or, or you've got deadlines, whatever it may be, or, or you, you know, you, you're drinking too much coffee in the middle of the afternoon just to get through the afternoon. And that's having a major effect on you at night before you're trying to go to sleep. I think all that matters. And I really appreciate you guys shining a light on that because you're absolutely right that that's one of the first things that we've got to do is get our sleep in check. If we're going to really make the strides that we want in our health and wellness. Amen. I know we were going to be talking about something else entirely today. Um, I'm just going to have to bring you guys back on. You guys are so amazing. I'm just loving this. Oh, thank you. As we are, I feel like you've set all of us up for success for the new year and have given us so much perspective. I've enjoyed this conversation so much. Anything else you want to leave us with as we, as we jump into this new decade, as we're trying to make these amazing changes for our body and our, and our life, anything else you'd like to add? You know, I think one of the things we just really want folks to know is that focusing on that identity piece 
is such a crucial point of transformation. And, you know, surrounding yourself with people who see you as your highest potential or see you as your next potential is such an important part. And if you surround yourself with the same people that see you and really maybe don't have a lot of flexibility to see you in a new way, it's really, really beneficial to start creating some community that can see you in that new way, in that new identity. And it helps you to see yourself. And, you know, we didn't talk about it much today, but we, um, one of the main things that we really do is we run events and retreats all around the world because it's important for us to bring our clients, our community together so that they can experience what it's like to be with people who see them as their next potential, as that next vibration, and to go share space and time and um, experience with them because that reverberates back to you when you see these people that are now, you know, experiencing you in a new way. And so for folks out there that are trying to make changes in the new year, just make sure you're cultivating an environment, a community, relationships with people that can hold you as that possibility. Then you can really expedite that process and have that success. Hmm. So beautiful. I just love, love that. And I love the work that you guys are doing in the world. I know that so many of the listeners here are going to want to know where to plug in, where to find you, talk about your podcast, let them know where they can find you. Oh, thank you so much. It's been such a joy to be with you. And you were on our podcast a few months ago, so folks can check it out on our Be The Wellness podcast. And B is spelled B-E-E, like a honeybee, because... You know, as many of you know, honeybees are not supposed to be able to fly, yet they go ahead and do it anyway. So this is perfect for transformation is like, do the things that are hard and do them in spite of, you know, any adversity against you. So it's Be The Wellness podcast. Uh, we're Be The Wellness Dot com, be the wellness Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that good stuff. And we have a big community event coming up next year called BeeFest, which is our larger annual event. That'll be just outside of Zion National Park next year. So if you're looking to maybe come get into the physical version of Be the Wellness, that's going to be our only stateside experience for next year. So check that out. And of course, if you have questions or anything, email us at info at be the wellness.com. Wonderful. Oh my gosh. I love Zion. I'm so glad you guys are hosting it over there. Oh yeah. We're so excited. We did some scouting on our way from Montana, our last retreat in Montana and just fell in love with it. And we were like, okay, next year it's on. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Well, congratulations you guys. And thank you so much. I can't wait. We'll have everything in the show notes. You guys can go, everyone can go check it out. Thank you to both for coming on and sharing your wisdom and, and sharing such beautiful insight with us today. Thank you so much, Marisa. It's been so, so fun. Appreciate it. I want to take a moment and say thank you so much for listening in today. I loved Vanessa and Adam's message so much. They are dialed into how hard it can be to create transformation. But through helping thousands of people, they have amazing tools and resources into how to make your transformation possible. I just love that they're so clear on how to make that happen. Now, if you didn't catch it at the end, Vanessa and Adam help people create massive transformation through adventure. And they do adventure retreats all around the world, which I absolutely love. 
I love adventures around the world and I love that they're curating these really special events for you in case you want to jump on and just experience that beautiful transformation. I also love that their biggest transformational retreat is here in the U.S. You can get a taste of what they do. It's going to be in St. George, Utah, actually at Zion, which is one of the most beautiful national parks in the U.S. Alex and I love to hike Zion when we're visiting my grandma, who doesn't live very far at all from Zion National Park. Now, if you're looking for deep connection, adventure, amazing food, mindfulness, and just those beautiful self-care rituals and so much more wrapped into one incredible experience, I want to invite you to check out Bee Fest, which is the big festival in Zion. I will have the link to this amazing retreat in the show notes for episode 157. And I just want to say thank you so much for stopping by and listening into the Essentially You podcast. On the next episode, I am bringing on a dear friend to continue our conversation around transformation. She is the CEO of Paleo FX, the biggest paleo conference in the U.S. Michelle Norris is joining me to talk about overcoming trauma to transformational health. I know you're going to love this conversation as much as I do. Until then, have an amazing day. 